Section thirty seven of Cleek of Scotland Yard by Thomas W. Hanshu. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter thirty four. What's that? rapped out Cleek, sitting up sharply. His interest had been trapped, just as Mr. Narkom knew that it would. Vanished from a glass room into which people were looking at the time, and yet nobody saw the manner of his going, do you say? That's it, precisely. But the most astonishing part of the business is the fact that whereas the porter can bring at least three witnesses to prove that he showed the boy into that glass room, and at least one to testify that he heard him speak to the occupant of it, the two watchers who were looking into the place at the time are willing to swear on oath that he not only did not enter the place, but that the room was absolutely vacant at the period, and remained so for at least an hour afterward. If that isn't a mystery that will want a bit of doing to solve, dear chap, then you may call me a Dutchman. Hmm, said Cleek reflectively. How then am I to regard the people who give this cross testimony as lunatics or liars? Neither, begad, asseverated Narkom emphatically. I'll stake my reputation upon the sanity and the truthfulness of every mother's son and every father's daughter of the lot of them. The porter who says he showed the boy into the glass room I've known since he was a nipper. His dad was one of my yard men years ago. And the two people who were looking into the place at the time, and who swear that it was absolutely empty and that the lad never came into it. Look here, old chap. I'll let you into a bit of family history. One of them is a distant relative of Mrs. Narkom. An aunt, in fact, who's rather down in the world and does a bit of dressmaking for a living. The other is her daughter. They are two of the straightest living, most upright and truly religious women that ever drew the breath of life, and they wouldn't either of them tell a lie for all the money in England. There's where the puzzle of the thing comes in. You simply have got to believe that that porter showed the boy into that room, for there are reliable witnesses to prove it, and he has no living reason to lie about it. And you have got to believe that those two women are speaking the truth when they say that it was empty at that period, and remained empty for an hour afterward. Also, if you will take on the case and solve at the same time the mystery attending the disappearance of both father and son, you will have to find out where that boy went to, through whose agency he vanished, and for what cause. A tall order, that, said Cleek, with one of his curious one-sided smiles. Still, of course, mysteries which are humanly possible of creation are humanly possible of solution, and there you are. Who is the client? Miss Larue? If so, how is one to be sure that she will not again call a halt and spoil a good case before it is halfway to completion? "'For the best of reasons,' replied Narkom earnestly. "'Hers is not the sole say in the present case. "'Added to which, she is now convinced that her suspicions in the former one were not well grounded. 
the truth has come out at last cleek she stopped all further inquiry into the mysterious disappearance of her brother because she had reason to believe that the elder mr trent had killed him for the purpose of getting possession of those jewels to tide over a financial crisis consequent upon the failure of some heavy speculations upon the stock market she held her peace and closed up the case because she loves and is engaged to be married to his son and she would have lost everything in the world sooner than hurt his belief in the honour and integrity of his father what a ripping girl gad but there are some splendid women in the world are there not mr narkom what has happened dear friend to change her opinion regarding the elder mr trent's guilt the disappearance of the son under similar circumstances to that of the father and from the same locality she knows now that the elder mr trent can have no part in the matter since he is at present in america the financial crisis has been safely passed and the son who could have no possible reason for injuring the lad who is indeed remarkably fond of him and by whose invitation he visited the building is solely in charge and as wildly anxious as man can be to have the abominable thing cleared up without delay he now knows why she so abruptly closed up the other case and he is determined that nothing under heaven shall interfere with the prosecution of this one to the very end it is he who is the client and both he and his fiancee will be here presently to lay the full details before you here cleek leaned forward in his chair with a sort of lunge as he flung out the word and there was a snap in his voice that fairly stung good heavens above man they mustn't come here get word to them at once and stop them it wouldn't be any use trying i'm afraid old chap i expect they are here already at all events i told them to watch from the other side of the way until they saw me enter and then to come in and go straightway to the public tea-room and wait until i brought you to them well of all the insane whatever prompted you to do a madman's trick like that a public character like miss larue a woman whom half london knows by sight who will be the target for every eye in the tea-room and the news of whose presence in the hotel will be all over the place in less than no time were you out of your head good lad i i thought i'd be doing the very thing that would please you dear chap bleated the superintendent despairingly it seemed to me such a natural thing for an actress to take tea at a hotel that it would look so innocent and open that nobody would suspect there was anything behind it and you always say that things least hidden are hidden the most of all cleek struck his tongue against his teeth with a sharp clicking sound indicative of mild despair there were times when mr narkom seemed utterly hopeless well if it's done it's done of course and there seems only one way out of it he said nip down to the tea-room as quickly as possible and if they're there bring them up here it's only four o'clock and there's a chance that valdemar may not have returned to the hotel yet heaven knows i hope not he'd spot you in a tick in a weak disguise like that 
then why don't you go down yourself and fetch them up, old chap? He'd never spot you. Lord, your own mother wouldn't know you from Adam in this spiffing get-up, and it wouldn't matter a tinker's curse, then, if Valdemar was back or not. It would matter a great deal, my friend. Don't deceive yourself upon that point. For one thing, Captain Maltravers is registered at the office as having just returned from India after a ten years' absence, and ten years ago Miss Margaret Larue was not only unknown to fame, but must still have been in pinafores, so how is he to have made her acquaintance? Then, too, she doesn't expect to see me without you, so I should have to introduce myself and stop to explain matters. "'Yes, and even risk her companion getting excited and saying something indiscreet. "'And those are rather dangerous affairs in a public tea-room, "'with everybody's eyes no doubt fixed upon the lady. "'No, you must attend to the matter yourself, my friend, "'so nip off and be about it. "'If the lady and her companion are there, "'just whisper them to say nothing but follow you immediately. "'If they are not there, slip out and warn them not to come.' Look sharp. The situation is ticklish. And just how ticklish Mr. Narkom realised when he descended and made his way to the public tea-room, for the usual four o'clock gathering of shoppers and sightseers was there in full force. The well-filled room was like a hive full of buzzing bees who were engaged in imparting confidences to one another. The name of Margaret Larue was being whispered here, there, and everywhere, and all eyes were directed toward a far corner where at a little round table Margaret Larue herself sat in company with Mr. Harrison Trent, engaged in making a feeble pretense of enjoying a tea which neither of them wanted, and upon which neither was bestowing a single thought. Narkom spotted them at once made his way across the crowded room, said something to them in a swift, low whisper, and immediately became at once the most envied and most unpopular person in the whole assembly. For Miss Larue and her companion arose instantly, and, leaving some pieces of silver on the table, walked out with him and robbed the room of its chief attraction. All present had been deeply interested in the entire proceeding, but none more so than the tall, distinguished-looking foreign gentleman, seated all alone at the exactly opposite end of the room from the table where Miss Larue and her companion had been located, for his had been the tensest kind of interest from the very instant Mr. Narkom had made his appearance, and remained so to the last. Even after the three persons had vanished from the room, he continued to stare at the doorway through which they had passed, and the rather elaborate tea he had ordered remained wholly untouched. A soft step sounded near him, and a soft voice broke in upon his unspoken thoughts. "'Is not the tea to monsieur's liking?' it inquired with all the deference of the continental waiter and that awoke him from his abstraction. "'Yes, quite, thank you. By the way, that was Miss Larue who just left the room, was it not, Philippe?' "'Yes, monsieur, the great Miss Larue, the most famous of all English actresses.' "'So I understand. 
and the lame man who came in and spoke to her who is he not a guest of the hotel i am sure since i have never seen him here before i do not know monsieur who the gentleman is it shall be the first i shall see of him ever it may be however that he is a new arrival they would know at the office if monsieur le baron desires me to inquire yes do i fancy i have seen him before find out for me who he is philippe disappeared like a fleet shadow after an absence of about two minutes he came back with the desired intelligence no monsieur le baron the gentleman is not a guest he announced but he is visiting a guest the name is yard he arrived about a quarter of an hour ago and sent his card into captain maltravers who at once took him up to his room captain maltravers so that will be the military officer from india will it not yes monsieur the one with the fair hair and moustache who lunched to-day at a table adjoining monsieur le baron's own ah to be sure and passed the time of day with me as they say in this peculiar language i remember that gentleman perfectly thank you very much there's something to pay you for your trouble monsieur le baron is too generous is there any other service no no nothing thank you i have all that i require interposed the baron with a gesture of dismissal and evidently he had for five minutes later he walked into the office of the hotel and said to the clerk make out my bill please i shall be leaving england at once and immediately thereafter walked into a telephone booth consulted his notebook and rang up two fifty three four eighty soho and on getting it began to talk rapidly and softly to someone who understood french meantime mr narkom unaware of the little powder train he had unconsciously lighted had gone on up the stairs with his two companions purposely avoiding the lift that he might explain matters as they went piloted them safely to the suite occupied by captain maltravers and at the precise moment when baron rodolphe de montravan walked into the telephone booth cleek was meeting miss larue for the first time since those distressing days of eleven months ago and meeting mr harrison trent for the first time ever End of section thirty seven